Hello, and welcome to the first episode of your favorite podcast, Hashtag No Filter, the podcast that helps you understand the link between social media and your mental health. I'm your host, Austin, and in today's episode, we're going to define social media, analyze the difference between social media and social networking, and finally, explore some of the issues with social media. And for today's interview, I have invited specialists in the media and communications industry, so stay tuned. To begin with, let's define the keyword social media. Although we are all pretty familiar with this word, do we actually know its meaning? If you open your dictionary and look up social media, you will usually find a quite boring and vague definition. For example, Cambridge Dictionary defines social media as websites and computer programs that allow people to communicate and share information on the internet using a computer or a mobile phone. According to this definition, any websites or programs that let you share content with other users fall under the social media category. It is basically describing almost any website or apps on the internet today like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat, where we post about ourselves, interests, and opinions. All of these sites allow us to interact with each other, which is one of the main characteristics of social media. But it's also the case of websites like Wikipedia, where users can upload information to share with other users. Does that mean that Wikipedia is a social media? The answer is that it depends. Indeed, websites like Wikipedia are technically speaking a form of social media. But for some people, social media is restricted to apps and sites that allow you to build up your social networking like Facebook, Twitter, etc. From this point of view, sites like Wikipedia or even blogs do not fall under the social media category. Because everyone has their own opinion of what social media is and isn't, it makes it hard to give a precise definition of social media. In his article, Daniel Nations suggests to break down the term and to look at each word individually to get a cleaner and more precise understanding of social media. The social part refers to interacting with other people by sharing information with them and receiving information from them. And the media part refers to an instrument of communication like the internet. From these two separate terms, we can pull a basic definition together. Social media are web-based communication tools that enable people to interact with each other by sharing and consuming information. Although it is still a broad definition, according to Daniel Nations, it is as specific as we can get without zeroing in too much on the more specific subcategory of social media. Indeed, we should keep in mind that social media is a broad term, and restricting it to the social networking can be misleading, which brings us to the next point. What is the difference between social media and social network? To have a better understanding, we have invited an expert in the field, Dr. Tony D. Sampson. Hello, Dr. Sampson, and welcome to Hashtag No Filter. Thank you for joining us today. To start with, could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yes, okay. So I'm uh, Tony Sampson. Uh, I'm a reader in digital culture and communication at the University of East London. I'm also the author of uh, several books on digital culture, uh, including a, a book on virality. Uh, I wrote a book called The Assemblage Brain in 2016. And my latest effort is a Sleepwalker's Guide to Social Media, which was published uh, last July in 2020. Uh, and also, I, uh, I work in London, but I live in Southend on Sea in Essex. We mentioned earlier that a lot of people don't really know the difference between social media and social networking and tend to think that both terms mean the same thing. Can you explain to us what is social networking and what does it have in common with social media? 
Okay, I mean, these, these terms are often sort of confused and uh, it's really down to interpretation. I mean, for me, social networking is a much older term uh, than social media. Uh, it does not need to necessarily involve media technologies. So, you know, a social network could be a group of friends or, or a business network, not necessarily you know, mediated by a, a particular media technology. Um, one of the most interesting social networking researchers for me is actually Stanley Milgram, and he was doing his work back in the 1960s, you know, a long, long, term, long time before social media, for sure. Uh, one of his studies involved tracing a letter with a name on it, but, but no address. So people in a network were asked to pass it on to someone who they thought might know who this person was. Uh, and this research went on to inspire the six degrees of separation theory. So, you know, there is, a, there is an entire science of networks which, uh, again, you know, studies all kinds of, uh, uh, of social networks, uh, not just media networks. Mm. So social networks existed on the internet also way before social media. Uh, Text-based bulletin boards, services like Usenet and Well, uh, for example, gave rise to a lot of interest in what we used to call virtual communities uh, back in the 1980s and 1990s. Uh, these sort of questions, research questions, included stuff like, you know, can relationships persist online? Uh, can we trust other people online? You know, what kind of obligations do people have to keep in uh, as part of these networks? So that was way before social media. I mean, for me, social media is, is, is a technology, yeah. of course, a platform technology, yeah. but it's also a business term. Business. And that's sometimes quite overlooked, actually. So on one hand, you know, as, as a platform technology, it facilitates social networking. And I think mm -hmm. that's where the confusion often comes in. Uh, but actually, it does more than just facilitate. It actually shapes the way in which we take, uh, in which we communicate, mm -hmm. right? So it, it, it sh shapes the way social networking takes place. Mm -hmm. I mean, for example, you know, the social action of liking something, sharing on social media becomes almost like a ritual most of us perform, you know, during the day. It becomes part of our kind of social habits. Um, but we do so because the tools peg our behavior and we follow those habits, right? So it, you know, it's it's quite dramatic in the terms in which in ways in which it shapes uh, social networking. But you know, on the other hand, apart from just being a technology, it's a business model. Although many of us feel that we're getting something for nothing, <laughs> and what is really happening is that our digital footprints and all our you know social networks are being sold onto advertisers, marketing companies, and, and data firms. Many of us, many of those firms, we won't even have heard of them or know about. Um, so there's a saying in, in uh, media theory circles, you know, if it's free, uh, then you're the product. And I think that's very much true with the social media model. So I think social media is an example of also this word expropriation. That is, you know, the social networks that belong to us, like our friendship networks, our families, our professional networks, are really being parasited by these businesses. So you know, they, they, they end up sort of having quite a lot of control over our, our networks. So our personal networks, which once belonged to us, now really belong to Facebook. So, you know, the main difference is, uh, is that social media, I mean, obviously between social media and, and networking, requires platform technologies to facilitate social networking. I also think it's important to note that, uh, that social media is a business model. It's about connecting people up, encouraging them to produce and share content while hoovering up all their data and selling it on. Can we consider traditional media as social media? Well, yeah, okay. There's some, some aspects of traditional media, telephones, uh, for example, which are, uh, you know, are very social. So they offer highly responsive social interactions. Mm -hmm. And you, you go back to sort of, you know, TV and radio shows have had call-ins for many years where members of the public call in using telephones. 
So people also have written letters to shows, write letters to newspapers. So in some ways, traditional media has been open to kind of social interaction before. Yeah. Uh, but of course, you know, social media is a complete step change, you know, mm. whereas in the past media produced mm. and took editorial control over content, social media platforms require users to produce their own content and freely share existing media content, much of which comes from the traditional media. So it's, it's very different in that sense. Uh, what we have now is almost kind of like a hybrid model, really. Uh, old media, particularly you know, new news channels, for example, have entered into the flows of social media. So there's a kind of mixing of you know old traditional journalism. Mm. So of course this is you know rather problematic, since the revenue streams for conventional media uh, channels, particularly those from news journalism, have, have shrunk a lot over the over the past decade or two, while all their efforts freely circulate on social media. So social media is kind of earning money out of traditional media, and not really paying paying it back. And you know, there's quite a lot of controversy over it at the moment. What are some of the main issues with social media? Well, okay, <laughs> there are, there are a few. So you know, I just really hinted about one. This, this issue about uh, editorial control. I yeah, media people who study media um, used to be concerned about the power of editorial control, right? So owners of vast media empires could take control of the messages. I you know I think about characters like Rupert Murdoch, you know, who was known to take editorial control of his newspapers, promoting his own kind of world view, right? So, but the concern has kind of you know flipped over. It's changed a lot in that time. So now the concern is focused on the refusal of social media uh, corporations to take responsibility for editorial control. So there's a, there's a lack of accountability for kind of content uh, that spreads on 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 these networks, like online social harms, uh, race hate, that kind of thing. Yeah. So the removal of uh, offensive uh, content is very slow. And and farmed out to third parties in in countries like the Philippines, for example, where where conditions are, are actually quite poor. Um, you might have seen a really good um, uh, film called The Cleaners, which kind of ex exposes the way in which these kind of um, you know the, the, the dubious content is is dealt with. The other issue, I think, another really big issue is surveillance and privacy. So you know we sign away our rights to privacy as soon as we join most social need, uh, media apps. Uh, this means our personal data belongs to businesses, uh, businesses we also know very little about. You know, if you if you heard some of the names of the data firms, you know they're not they're not something that normally come on your radar. Um, you don't even have uh, to be on social media for for your data to be shared. I mean, the, the apps like Spotify can p pass on data to Facebook without you even having a Facebook account. Um, social media companies also carry out some fairly unethical research on us. Uh, Unethical because we don't know, but we're part of some of these experiments. Uh, in 2014, there was a lot of controversy over their efforts to manipulate emotions online, uh, which is something that you might want to look into. Uh, the other real big issue, and I think this is probably for me the big one, is democracy. There's a lot of hype in the early days of the web regarding so-called e-democracy. Mm -hmm. I mean, networks were seen as you know open spaces in which political ideas could be freely exchanged. It's like a, you know like a Large global digital agora, right, where people could come and sort of debate. Mm. I mean, however, in recent years, I mean, we've seen just how awful social media has been for democracy, right? And these platforms are, are well honed advertising and marketing machines. They're designed to target users with persuasive messages. Uh, I mean, it does not make them good political platforms in the sense of opening up debate on issues. It makes them very good manipulation machines, though. 
So it, it's a bit of a, a bad fit, I think, at the moment. So the Cambridge Analytica scandal in 2016 demonstrated the extent to which these manip manipulations were actually happening. So it wasn't just a conspiracy theory after all, right? We also saw how dangerous, or we have recently seen how dangerous social media can be for stoking up things like mob violence. Uh, Trump's use of social media, not only sidestep conventional communication channels, you know, it allegedly, and we, 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 we had to find out the extent to which that allegation is true, you incited the riot at Capitol Hill last month. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're the biggest issues I can think of. I know that you hold conferences that explore the emotional and failed experiences of social media users. Can you tell us more about these conferences and what are some of the issues you have brought up during those discussions? Sure, yeah. So, yeah, we have uh, conferences, they're, they're annual international events, uh, usually staged in East London. Uh, they're called Affect and Social Media. So we've had four and a half conferences today. Uh, I say half because we named our uh, online COVID version last year, Affect and Social Media 4.5. I didn't really feel that it was a complete conference. Although actually it was, uh, it was still good fun. And we're, we're hoping to have five, which was actually advertised to run last year, uh, last, last July, I think, yeah, early July. And obviously we, we couldn't do it because we, we, we attract quite a big international audience and, uh, and speakers and they weren't going to travel at that point of time. So the idea is to get academics and post-grad students mainly mm. with an interest in emotions and affective experiences, feeling experiences on social media, and get them together to present their work and debate their ideas. It's an interdisciplinary uh, conference, and we have a large group of psychologists, artists, uh, sociologists, media people, and even philosophers, right, presenting and attending each year. Mm. And just to mention, in 2018, uh, we published an ed edited collection of articles which were taken from the uh, Affect and Social Media 3. So there's, there's, there's a book as well, right? In your opinion, why is it important to focus on social media issues? Well, okay. I mean, you know, without sounding too deterministic, uh, different media technologies have helped to co-determine the ages we live in, right? You know, it's rather dramatic, but, you know, print, Radio, film, TV, computers, mobile devices all play a part in shaping the discourses and the events, you know, in their time. And they continue to do so, right? Mm. So we're just really just finding out how dramatic the influences of, of social media are, right? You know, I mentioned Trump already. I mentioned Cambridge Analytica. These are big kind of social media moments. Mm. Uh, it's not all bad, you know. I mean, without Facebook, arguably, perhaps, I mean, the first black US president uh, would not have been elected. You know, Obama was, uh, you know, pretty good at, at using Facebook, uh, a very persuasive way. Um, the Arab Spring, also parts of the Arab Spring, was, was a revolution born in the social media age. I wouldn't say that, you know, Facebook caused the um, Abbots, uh, the Arab Spring, or, or indeed Twitter, but it certainly cleared away a few tyrants for a while, and, and social media was, you know, was a, a part of that. Mm. So social media, I think, also is so much interwoven with daily life. Mm. I mean. You know, if you remember the after the Cambridge Analytica scandal, there were lots of uh, campaigns about, you know, leaving Facebook. Mm. But if anything, Facebook made more money that year than it made the previous year. You know, it's interwoven in their lives. It's very difficult to quit to, to leave these networks. So a lot, a lot of people use these platforms. And the population of Facebook alone is bigger than any country now. And it has a surveillance system that's bigger and outperforms any totalitarian regime. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a powerful force. Uh, social media is also very contagious. 
uh, this is something we're interested in effect and social media conferences things led very well you know for good and bad on, on social media mm-hmm. so rumors fake news disinformation along with pictures of stupid cats right all spread well uh, online and offline right but uh, online contagions are massively amplified uh, so we've seen some of the you know, results of that in recent years Depression, anxiety, and addiction are only a few of many negative impacts of social media on our mental health, but people are still willing to use it every day. Would you say that social media is bad and therefore we should stop using it? Okay, well, it's a complicated this one. So as I said, really, you know, I wouldn't say it's all bad. Uh, I think we have to be careful with the word addiction as well. Yeah. You know, I agree these platforms are quite often purposely designed to be habit-forming. There's quite a lot of literature around that as well in, in design literature. But, you know, habits are not the same as addiction. I think there's a kind of gradation that we need to think about here, you know, in terms of, of sort of good and bad. Mm. So, you know, for example, they're a good and bad habit. And, you know, WhatsApping an old friend in another country you haven't seen for a while or, 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 or what, you know, t- sending a, a post to a, an older person isolated during COVID are pretty good habits to have, right? So, I mean, you know, we can't say it's all bad. Well, the problem with addiction is, is more acute in the design of things like gambling apps, I think, mm. you know, where there is really a, 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 an issue. You know. um, I did hear one uh, uh, expert in, in, in addiction discussing computer games, actually. And that, the, the, what the problem was that people weren't were looking after themselves health-wise. They were putting on lots of weight, not getting any exercise because they're just p- playing endless games. Yeah. So I think some, some of the designs you know, of, of these kind of gambling apps have made their way into social media apps. And I think that's when you start getting the kind of negative um, pull of these things, Joe, you know, there's the sort of the not so good habits, right? But there are lots of factors that feed into depression and anxiety too, of course. And I think social media carries with it, you know, some of these things. I mean, it can make people feel even more isolated, par- paradoxically perhaps, or anxious about how they're regarded by others or, you know, how, how they're regarded by others. Um, also, I think it's worthwhile pointing out your adolescents you know, rely heavily on their social interactions to form their kind of sense of self around that kind of you know age, and uh, you know some of the negative interactions yeah. exacerbated by social media can be very damaging. Yeah. You know, so it's just a kind of taking a bit of a measured view on it, though. We are living in unprecedented times where people are being locked down in their houses and have no other options but to scroll down their phones to pass time. Do you think that social media is leading to bigger issues due to the pandemic? Hmm. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, one of my friends said uh, there's been a lot of literature uh, about the pandemic written already. And uh, I think a lot of people will look back and think it wasn't particularly of that good quality because we really need to come through this thing to see, see and look back and, and reflect. But yeah, I think lockdown is clearly implicated in a growing kind of mental health problem. We, we know that. Yeah. Again, social media may be a, a factor in that to some extent. Of course, you know, people have very little social contact apart from social media, so it's probably helped them a lot. Yeah. Um, maybe the increased time on these apps during this period of time is driving some of the more negative social media contagions. I know of the spread of anti-vax conspiracies, for example, is a real concern. And there's a link between social media and panic buying too. Uh, images on Instagram, which kind of have stirred up you know, panic buying in supermarkets. Um, there does seem to be an increase in the amount of conspiracy contagions that spread during lockdown. I, you know, I've got quite a big kind of a Facebook group 
And uh, I've seen much, much more kind of weird conspiracy stuff going around, you know. And, and some people aren't kind of even know to some extent passing stuff on, um, you know, because if you if you receive something from a friend or a friend of a friend, you, you're probably more likely to trust it than you would mm. if it was from a complete stranger, right? So uh, that's how powerful these contagions can be. Uh, perhaps people are not thinking very critically about what they're reading and passing on. Maybe they're just more affected by it emotionally because of lockdown. Yeah. Um, you know, I think feelings play a big role in, in, in contagion and, and, and our interactions with, uh, with social media. That's why we, we, we do the conference. Yeah. Lastly, you have recently published a book entitled A Sleepwalker's Guide to Social Media. What is it about? Where can we get it? Okay, well, it's a, it's, a, it's a fairly big book, so I won't go into everything it's about, but it's, essentially the, the sleepwalker is a concept that's helped me to explain why some of these contagions we've just been speaking about spread on social media. Mm. So it, it focuses on what we call the collective dynamic, right? the, the sort of a, the dynamic of the many. Right? So what happens when these vast social networks respond to events using these kind of social media platforms? So... To think about sleepwalking, sleepwalking is a bit like that moment when you you went to check your posts and you found you're still on social media about an hour or so later, right? Still scrolling away. It's kind of lapse of time. So the sleepwalker kind of exists between these conscious moments of doing things and, and like a non-conscious experience. So, yeah, it's the sort of thing that you might get if, you, if you're familiar with driving a route, for example, and, you know, you drive there and you can't remember driving there because you're just so, so it's almost automatic behaviour, yeah. So it's like a habit uh, that's become so ingrained, so rehearsed that we're barely conscious of it. You know, we just kind of tend to feel our way through it rather than think our way through it. Yeah. So that's kind of a way of thinking about what the sleepwalker is kind of meaning in the book, the concept. However, you know, what I'm interested in isn't just the individual. It's, it's the collective non-conscious, this collective dynamic. So when you think of these non-conscious moments in terms of massive networks of people, huge networks, right? Then we get a kind of fresh insight into a way in which so a collective dynamic of a, of a contagion, for example, works. So the book looks at what happens when, for example, shock events like mass shootings occur. Right? People tend to, uh, during these times, flock online to find out what has happened. They go to search engines. It's at this point that the spreading of rumours, fake news and conspiracy really kind of starts to, starts to kick off. Uh, so that's a, a kind of description of it. You know, there's a lot more in there than just that. Uh, but if you really want to know, I mean, the book's published by Politi. Uh, it's um, distributed in America by Wiley, and it's available in all <laughs> good online bookstores in paperback. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm sure that our listeners have learned a lot of things to you. Okay, yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank, thank, thank you. Thanks again to Dr. Simpson for speaking with us about the essence of social media and its impact on our daily well-being. Clearly, the original of social media and the far-reaching implications in its evolution are much greater than many of us think. Critical thinking is more important than ever, especially when so many of us spend so much time online. More on this next week. Thanks for listening to Hashtag No Fielder Podcast with your host, Austin. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For our next episode, we're going to look at social media and psychology. As always, feel free to search nofilterpodcast.weeksite.com slash podcast. And make sure to follow me on Instagram at nofilter-podcast. Thanks again and I will see you next time.